The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Alex from Second Dad to the Right joins us to talk about traveling to Disney World with babies and toddlers. Final episodes of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review. You can also check us out on YouTube now, youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you'll receive bonus content and paid members receive ad-free episodes. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions or episode ideas, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Instagram, disneydeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Decipher. So on today's episode, we have a very special guest before we get to him. Leslie, I was trying to think about this before this episode. When is the last time you brought a baby or a toddler even to Walt Disney World? I think it was like a year. I would say even two years ago, I think I would say the last time I had a toddler. And then I don't think I had a baby for like a very long time. So we're definitely like out of touch with the uh, young parents situation in Walt Disney yes. World. It's been a while. So my youngest is 10. So yeah, it's been the better part of a decade since I've had a baby in the parks. Well, it is something that you if you're go like, it's like if this episode applies to you, you are going to want to hook it to your veins. And if it doesn't, but you're a parent, you know, just think about those old times and give us a listen. Because we have Alex from Second Dad to the right here, who currently with his three children is firmly in that bring your baby and toddlers to Walt Disney World stage. And so we're super excited to have you here, Alex, to talk about bringing babies to Disney World. We like to get plugs out of the way at the beginning. So Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about your site and about yourself, and then we can get to the baby strategies. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. So like you said, I'm second dad to the right because I was obsessed with Peter Pan growing up. So went for the second start of the right. It's, I'm mostly a blogger. So com is where I am. I'm also on Facebook, Second Dad to the Right, Instagram, Second Dad to the Right, and Pinterest, Second Dad to the Right. And yeah, so I've got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a almost 2-year-old now. So uh, tell us a little bit about your Disney history. Was the 10-year-old, did you take the 10-year-old to the parks when they were a baby? Have you taken all three of the kids in that baby stage even though you're like still in that stage right now? So we started in about 2018 is about when we finally got financially capable of going to Disney World. And so my girls, my two older girls, you can see them in the picture right there. There we go. We're two and four. The first time we went as a family of five, both my wife and I had gone when we were kids, but then it, there was like a, you know, a 15 year gap, maybe 20 year gap <laughs> between 
that. And so we did it. We started with a toddler, but she was almost three when we first started going. But then we really got obsessed with Disney when the baby came around, our little COVID surprise. And so he's been to the parks like five times now, five different trips by a two-year-old. Yeah. Wow. That's super, super impressive. It's always nice to have that age gap, though, because you're at least not like in the middle of the craziness with all three of them or at one time. Hopefully they they help out a little bit or at least don't add to the to the chaos. Well, why don't we dive into some of the planning tips when you're starting to think about a Disney World vacation with a baby? You know, what are the strategies that you keep in mind? Like, how do you choose where you're going to stay? what you're going to do, like what the trip is going to look like, the, the general parameters. So, I mean, the big one, the big, big one is to stay on property if you can swing it because you're going to want to leave the park, come back to the park. And if you got beginner listeners listening, like you, you can go and come from whatever park you're at. And if you park hopper, you can go and come back to your resort to a different park. And so that makes nap time really good or just getting out of the sun or spending an hour or two at the pool or at a restaurant and just rest that way you can enjoy nighttime because Disney at night is more magical, but a lot of times your kids want to be asleep at that point. Then I guess the other big thing for booking is that if you, I mean, first of all, you should always use an agent, but if you're not using an agent, you should search for, and you have a family of five, I guess I should say, search for rooms for families of four because kids under two don't count in the room reservation. And there's not very many rooms that aren't suites that'll take families of five. So that was my other tip for that. Yeah, I saw that on your article and we'll link it in the show notes. You know, you have an article about tips for traveling with babies to Disney. I didn't even know that myself. So that was pretty awesome. I Like I've noticed that via booking, but I think you had this tip where, you know, you just search for four and call later or even just show up with the two-year-old and just add a crib later and they'll add it and Disney doesn't really care. So that's a really great tip. Out of curiosity, what is the youngest age you took your son? Like what I think I want to say the youngest I've done is eight or nine months. And I'm, I'm curious, like how young was your son the first time you went? Well, he was born in February and we took him in July for his first trip, which was, I guess, six months. So that was his first trip. But we, when we go in the summertime, we usually do like five days but only two days in the parks and try to do the night parties and if we can get into one of the water park things that's a lot of fun because it's it's rough with a baby in the middle of the summer but that was his first trip yeah this was not on the agenda but i'm gonna ask it now because i'm gonna forget if i don't ask it any tips for keeping babies in particular cool in the summer because we went in february with the nine month old and he was still in like a snap and go type stroller. And I remember he was just so hot all the time. And we had a rental car too. And then like that was, and that was in February. I mean, it was a warm February, but still. And so any tips for parents going in the summer with babies who are really like baby babies, like toddlers, they can, you can at least take them, you know, but with the babies, they're kind of like stuck either strapped to you or strapped to a stroller. Well, first of all, I would say that if your baby can handle just staying in the stroller versus being in a carrier, that's definitely better. Get a bunch of stroller fans that you clip to the shades. You can get extender shades. We took a stroller that converted into a bassinet where it came over almost all the way over him so he could lay down for his naps and he was completely out of the sun. But yeah, watch out for the sun and watch out for the heat. 
there's lots of places in Disney where you can get out of the heat, all the gift shops, just baby care centers. And again, again, going back to the resort for the hottest part of the day. So we would go at rope drop and then leave at like 11 and then maybe stay and just go do random stuff and then come back at like four or five to try to miss the, the brunt of the sun and the heat. Of course, the good news about the summertime is the parks are open later, so you don't miss quite as much park time. Yeah, well, that's a great segue into sort of just park touring tips more generally. You mentioned things like the baby care center. So why don't you let us know what some of your best tips are for all times of the year, not just the blazingly hot ones? Well, yeah, the first thing definitely is the baby care center. So each park has a baby care center, which has got comfortable chairs for nursing, changing tables. It's got a little gift shop for you to buy any diapers or wipes at a, quite the premium. So, you know, use that in an emergency, try to bring your own stuff or get it from Amazon if you're missing anything. But if you're in the park and you don't have a diaper, you can go grab some there. I think you're going to end up paying more than a dollar per diaper. <laughs> That's a good spot. So my wife was nursing the first, at least the first time, maybe the first two times we were there. So she just went there because you can nurse anywhere, you know, it's a family friendly place, but it's hot and they're very distracted by all the noise. And then, so the air conditioning and the quiet of the baby care center, a lot of moms like, so they've got restrooms in there. It just, it's makes things easier, especially for the moms. So real quick on the baby care centers. I I like, I'm trying to remember my wife definitely had a favorite. It might've been animal kingdom. I can't remember. Do you have any, do you, you know, even for you, it was like a year ago. So, but they're they're all different. That that's the thing. Like I remember she was saying that like there were like different chairs and like some of the some of the chairs are better and some and the other. You know, it was so long ago that I can't remember. I think Animal Kingdom was her favorite. I think Epcot was not she wasn't a huge fan of the Baby Care Center by the Odyssey, but I, I might be getting those two mixed up. I honestly didn't go in them. She went in them because we had the other two kids. She didn't so complain after? She never complained afterwards. She well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I can see why Animal Kingdom would be the best because I feel like Animal Kingdom has the least shade in the rest of the park. Epcot, I feel like, I mean, you only have, I don't think there's a single outdoor ride at Epcot. No line outside unless it's really bad. There's so many. I mean, Epcot is the... As much as people think it's the adult park, it's definitely the easiest to take a baby to because there's so many air-conditioned spots, like huge, the Connections Cafe and the land and the sea and just there's so many just to walk around without having to be in the sun. But Animal Kingdom is just a a humid misery fest for babies. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's an important distinction to to call out. You know, you have to think about the, the different stages that you're dealing with, like an infant is very different than an 18 month old who maybe wants to walk everywhere. Cause like, I think I I didn't start going to Disney world with my youngest until he was about 13 months old. So he was more on that like toddler into the spectrum and Epcot, as much as I loved it could be a little bit of a nightmare because he wanted to get out of the stroller and walk. And then these distances are really long. Right. But if you've got an infant, put him in that great bassinet push that can be very different. And I think a lot of people, especially with that first kid, don't realize how much of a difference a month or two or three can make. Yeah, I mean, six months is like, I always thought was an ideal time to travel with an infant infant. Now you're not necessarily building memories for that infant. But of course, you know, in your case, it was your third. So your older kids are building memories. But even then, that is like when they're, they're still willing to stay in the stroller, they nap twice a day, hopefully. 
still. And so, you know, I, that's especially, you know, some parents, they just want to go and the baby's along for the ride. You know, we don't, we pretend it's for them. You know, Leslie and I pretend it's for our older kids still, but that's just the way it is. And so, you know, I, I think it's a good distinction. Like when you get from the infant to the toddler level, it can be pretty different. Now, what other tips do you have? And we should say that, like I said, we're going to link the article. It's 33 tips from soup to nuts from planning to the end of your trip that Alex has. And we'll link that in the show notes. But, you know, we can't, we're not going over all 33 today, obviously, but give us your next good tip for bringing young children, very young children to the park. Well, to speak of what you were saying a second ago, we haven't really had a problem with any of our kids not wanting to be in the stroller once they got a little bit tired. The hardest part for us as he's gotten older has been sleeping at night because now he's more aware and he is like, what? We're all in the same room? <laughs> he's like, let's all cuddle. Let's party. Let's. And so our last trip, I mean, we had, he had to sleep in the bed with us the whole time. He would not touch that crib because he would just stand there and be like, I see you. You're right there. Like, I was about to say that. He's like waving yeah. at you from the crib, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah, those days. He, our other kids would like wake up and kind of talk to themselves. The second he wakes up, he's screaming. And then he's happy as soon as he gets out. But uh, yeah. So my next one. So this one's kind of a, uh, a one that a lot of people don't share because it costs money. But preferred parking, if you have a car, is we love it because especially if you're staying on site, parking's already free at the resort and at the park. So you're paying $20, $25 for preferred parking. And basically I leave this, I've got a big minivan, so I don't have to fold up the stroller in the car. I just yank it out the back, throw them in it. And we're already at the entrance of the park. Obviously that doesn't work for Magic Kingdom. That's the one for the bus, but uh, transportation in general is good to know for strollers. The bus is the only one that you have to fold it up. And so if that's going to be an issue on the Skyliner, if you have a double stroller, that's double wide, you have to fold it. But the rest of the time you can leave the baby in the stroller and just hop on the transportation for that. So picking your resort, spending a little, as little time on a bus as possible. is a pretty good one too. So preferred parking, just to be clear on site, you get regular parking included in the cost of your resort stay preferred you're just paying the difference that's why it's 20 to 25 instead of what is it like 50 if you're paying on your own yeah it's i think i just moved it up to 50 so you would have to pay 25 for regular 25 for preferred and make it 50 dollars total or you can get you know the free parking for stand resort i think i'm not an annual pass holder but i think annual pass holders get free parking as well but yeah so that's that one's huge for for strollers all right. One other tip we want to throw in just as a reminder, a quick one, your infant, we alluded to this already, does not cost money until they turn three for dining, for tickets, for all that. So definitely, you know, we love to, for all three of my kids, we snuck in. Well, I guess one of them, we did not because of COVID, but when available, we snuck them in at like two years and 11 months, two years, 10 months. And so that's a great time to go. But what's your next tip, Alex? To know what rides the kids can go on. So if you're looking at the app, anything that doesn't have a height restriction, a baby can go on. Of course, that includes Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean, other stuff that might scare them. So you have to kind of know which ones are scary and which ones aren't. I think the best rides for babies and toddlers are the ones that are really visually stimulating rather than things that they really have to know what to look for. Like I think Safari and Jungle Cruise are a little tough for babies because they don't know what they're supposed to look for unless the elephant's close by or, and then the Jungle Cruise, all the jokes are going to go over their head. 
So, like, It's a Small World, Peter Pan. Dumbo was a surprise hit for, for our son. Because you think of it as just, like, this little carnival ride. But he was like, I'm flying. And then he figured out at, like, 12 months that he could grab that joystick and go up and down with it. And that power changed his world. So, so definitely look into the rides that you could do. There's tons of rides at every park that, well, not... Again, Animal Kingdom's kind of taking a hit in this podcast, but there's there's several rides in every park that that kids can do, but especially Magic Kingdom and and a, and a good bit at Epcot as well. Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom are a little harder for finding those rides, but there's still some good stuff at those parks. I'm curious with you having that age gap between your kids, how often do you divide and conquer like where one parent will take the baby on something and the other parent might take the bigger kids on something that has a height minimum? Well, rider switch kind of makes that to where the baby doesn't really get his own special rides often in case people don't know how rider switch works is you show up to a ride that has a height requirement. And you find that cast member that has an iPad and you scan your band and whichever kid is your favorite and they get to ride twice. And then whoever's waiting, or I guess if you scan your band, you stay out. And then when they get through the line, they come back to you. You can do whatever you want with the baby. So if there's a short line for a ride, you can take them on that. And then once they finish, the parent that had to sit out with the baby plus uh, the kid that got chosen for the extra ride gets to go in the lightning lane. Yeah. How do you choose? How do you choose the lucky chosen child? Luckily you know, we for always, us. Yeah. This, we always have this problem these days. Yeah. Luckily for us, my kids have different favorite rides. My older daughter will always be the one who gets tower of terror. A younger daughter will has other, like pretty much the next ride she gets. So, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few rides that my, Older daughter likes a lot more than my younger daughter, especially the Star Wars stuff and the more intense roller coaster. Slinky Dog belongs to my middle daughter. Now, I know you have an article on your website about rope dropping with a baby or toddler. Not sure if you're a rope dropping family. I know, Leslie, that I mischaracterized you. You did rope drop. Uh, I famously don't rope drop very much, but can you talk a little bit about uh, rope dropping with babies? I mean, you got to get a baby up and you got to get an eight and a 10 year old up, or I guess, you know, your son's two now, but still like that, that's a lot of coordination for a family of five. How do you guys make sure you're at the rope? And then what strategies do you utilize once you're, you know, the rope drops? So to be clear, we are not a rope dropping family. We have rope dropped, but so with the baby, the baby's the easiest one to me because they complain the least. They're usually the first one to wake up. And in the article, I mentioned like the best thing in the world for babies at Disney World for food is just pouches, like protein, pouches that have protein in them. And so, you know, you can put a baby in a stroller and, and stick a pouch in their mouth and all the other kids are like brushing their teeth, brushing their hair, trying to figure out which outfit matches the park. And so all of us sleep late except for the baby. <laughs> the only time we rope drop really is in the summertime so we can beat the heat or if there's a ride we really want to do. If we do a virtual queue and we're in the first... 20 groups were like no <laughs> now i have to run to the park <laughs> but yeah i wrote that article about rope dropping with little kids that was actually a, an article i did interviewing the guys from rope drop radio after we finished the podcast i did with them because <laughs> i got their tips because for some reason they like getting up early yeah i agree I, I can't do it when you do rope drop with your baby like how do you feel like that affects nap time and stuff like that or Actually, if you do it either way, like whether you start late 
or whether you start early, that kind of shifts the times that are breaks during the day. So how do you navigate breaks, naps, all that stuff with a toddler or when they when he was an infant? I guess infant was easier, right? Because they sleep in the stroller. Toddler is where it gets a little messier. So R still sleeps in the stroller. In fact, if it's past nine o'clock, my seven and eight-year-old will fall asleep in a stroller. I could talk about how to put three kids that are way too big for one stroller in one stroller but uh, um we've done that we've done that we i mean leaving the park really has more to do with weather than it does with nap time for us because we're not like hyper scheduled he usually just falls asleep and he falls asleep a lot more at disney world in a stroller than he does at home because just that heat takes it out of you and the constant motion of a stroller he sleeps more in the car than he does at home too, so he's pretty content to to ride. Yeah, this is this is definitely second and third kid syndrome. I think a lot of parents realize that. Like my firstborn never, ever, ever slept in a stroller. And maybe we didn't know what we were doing, but you know, I think also sometimes it's just personality of the kids. But the the second kid, they especially the third kid, they just have to roll. So I think this is something that first-time parents need to need to be aware of, especially but that each kid could be different. But the first might be the one that, like, you were more fastidious about trying to get that crib nap or whatever, and uh, that does really interrupt the day. And I think that that's the reason a lot of people are hesitant to take an infant to Disney is because it does really break up the day if you have to go back, especially if you're at that stage where they're taking two and three naps, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going back and forth three times because they can't, they have to be, that's, that's hard. And that, I guess my next tip helps with that is that if at all possible, bring the grandparents or a third adult, somebody to let you and your wife go on a ride together, watch the kids so you can go out on a date, or especially if you have a grandparent that's just happy to be there and doesn't want to ride rides, that's the best case scenario. Because then you get you get to be the recipient of the rider switch and go on the rides twice instead of one of your kids. But yeah, being able to outnumber the kids with adults is is awesome. So now I'm curious, thinking about first time parents. I think one thing that, well, at least I worried about as a first time parent is like, how am I going to deal with you know a tantrum or like a complete meltdown in the parks? And you know we've all seen it happen <laughs> for kids from six months to 16 years and, you know, up to adults, right? We, we see tantrums and meltdowns in the parks all the time. How do you handle that? Like, do you try to be more preventative and try to avoid it happening in the first place? Or like when they start freaking out, do you get out of there as fast as possible? You know, I just can remember, you know, there are times where obviously one of my kids and they all, all three of them stroller napped well, right? But they were like right on the edge about when they were going to fall asleep. And so they would like freak out for like two or three minutes and be like screaming at the top of their lungs and then like pass out. But yeah, any tips for dealing with tantrums or tough behavior or just a kid not having a good time, a baby not having a good time in the parks? I think it helps to know what your kids' triggers are. We've been pretty lucky. Like our kids don't freak out when they are in large groups or something like that. I feel like the overstimulation gets to some kids, but I, we're pretty careful with how much sugar we let them have, with how much sleep they got the night before, and with whether or not they're approaching their limit for how long they can be in the park or wait in the line and that kind of stuff. And so we're, we're always willing to lower our expectations to not try to cram fun in when the kids aren't having fun anymore. 
Um, I think that's one of the big things is that you have to be ready to be like, you know what, they might interrupt this and that'll be a story later we can laugh about instead of being like, I feel like I can calculate that we lost $400 on that tantrum <laughs> because <laughs> all of us couldn't be in the park right then. And so, because there's as much as it's a place with, you know, a hundred thousand people in it at any given time, there's plenty of quiet things to do that are still fun, like the pools and restaurants and I don't know, just places to walk around. So just, you have to not have expectations that don't match what your kids are capable of, I guess. Yeah. Very wise words. I think a lot of people, usually the parents have those crazy tantrums when they are doing that math that you mentioned where they're like, I've paid so much money for this vacation and gosh, darn it. Like we're going to have our forced March of happiness. But I mean, as much as I, Joe and I joke about that, right. You know, our, we, we put our kids through the forced March of ha- happiness. You have to know when to pull back and especially true when the kids are younger, you just can't run them ragged all day long. Everybody will have a very bad time. And it's been a while for me at that infant stage, but I remember that. I remember that when you have to pull back. So why don't we talk a little bit about packing? You kind of alluded to like bringing, doing things like bringing your own diapers. Babies involve a lot of gear. I do not miss carrying all that gear and all the supplies that you need. So what is your strategy for an infant in terms of what you pack, what you buy there, all that good stuff? And the protein pouch recommendations, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the the big protein pouch for me is the Mighty Four by Plum. It doesn't have any added sugar. It usually has two. Hashtag not sponsored. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I guess it kind of is because it's an Amazon. Disney deciphered at least. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you if you go to my blog and you go to Amazon from my blog, then I might get ten cents per pouch. (laughs) But I would say, I mean, the first thing before you, I mean, packing is that I'm a huge advocate for a giant stroller. You know, you can fit a little kid into a, an umbrella stroller, but if you've got a jogging stroller that's capable of summiting mountains, you are going to have places to store everything you could possibly need. And so I have no problem with that. The only problem is when people complain about having to fold it up and take it on the bus. If you're there by yourself with a baby, that could be really hard. I found it easy to find mostly college girls and older women that were willing to hold the baby for me while I get on the bus. But I think guys get it easier because everyone's like, oh, look at the dad. He's parenting. Isn't that a surprise? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Wow. You're doing your basic responsibilities. I mentioned in the article that somebody paid, like my, my middle daughter was sick and my wife was pregnant one time we went. And so I took my older daughter to Raglan Road and the table next to us paid for us because they thought that I was a single dad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no one's ever paid for me i take my kids all the time come on come on people no that, yeah. that, that's amazing yeah continue sorry but anyway so packing i mean you got to bring all bring all the things you can that you might need you know again we drive so it's easier to shove everything in the minivan versus having to try to check it on a plane you know you'll get more the more you go the easier it gets to know what you will need and then of course you can always Amazon everything to you within two days or make a Uber to Walmart run, Instacart. And then if you're really desperate, the baby care centers or the gift shops usually have most everything you need. Kids can, as they hit solid foods, can mostly eat off your plate anywhere you go. I don't think they charge for any of the buffets and still until they're at least two, maybe three. I don't know. You guys probably know that better. Three. So, so that's nice. But yeah, having... All the things, especially sunscreen, 
think about all the things that you would want your kid to have if they're going to stand in the sun for four hours and water. Just remember how much, I mean, with the older kids, especially how much a six and seven year old hate Florida water. So think about bottled water too. Yes. That is a very, very good tip there on the tap water. One last question that I have for you before we start to close things up. Since you enjoy staying on site, have you found any resorts to be particularly advantageous for infants? You know, obviously if you're at a deluxe resort, it's typically faster to get back and, you know, all those transitions that always makes a big difference. But do you have favorite resorts that you have for your kids when they were at those younger ages? Because like when they're older, maybe you can like stay at Saratoga Springs or something that's like far away, right? And it's not, or even Animal Kingdom Lodge, right? It's like super far away. And like you said, like what does a six month old care about a safari or a savanna view, right? But what are some of your favorite hotels? So, yeah, I think the location is great. So if you can walk out of the park into your resort, like we stayed at Beach Club, and we were absolutely blown away by the fireworks ending, and we were back at our hotel by 9.45. You know, the fireworks are at 9. I think they ended at 9.30. I mean, it literally was a 10-minute walk from Canada to Beach Club. So that's a huge thing. But I'm not sure I want to be quick to recommend... Beach Club because it's not the best pool for babies. There's a lot of really great splash pads that are awesome for babies. So like Caribbean Beach, Grand Floridian, the ones that like have a little bit of slides and all the things to splash in where, you know, you can turn your back for three seconds and they're not going to be swimming are really nice. I have a lot of opinions about which pools are good for what ages, but the ones with the, with the separate splash pads, Polynesian's got a great one. Those are that's I definitely recommend those. But yeah, so the location, travel, again, travel with bus as little as possible. Now, here's a kind of bougie suggestion, but if you can stay club level, as much as they say club levels for adults, you know, we had all five people in a suite at Coronado. And so you're paying per room and not per person. So five people getting free food is better than, you know, two adults getting free food. And then they would they would give the baby milk and warm it up for us when we needed it when we stayed at club level at Coronado. And so if you could get one, if you can swing that, that's, that's a huge game changer because you don't have to, they have high chairs and you got the free food, free breakfast makes things easier. That's a great point. And of course, club level at Grand Destino tower is cheaper than all the other club levels. Cause it's technically moderate. So yeah, that, that's pretty good. And uh, you have an article on staying club level at Grand Destino. You stayed at Grand Destino seven times I'm about to go to stay in Grand Destino in two weeks, Lord willing. And, you know, I love it, but seven times, that that's a lot. Yeah, so they had just built it in 2019. And so when they finally opened everything up in 2020 after the pandemic, my wife was said, let's go check that out because it's cheaper. And so we went and then I went to the front desk and I said, you know, how much would it be to upgrade? And then it was December of 2020 and nobody was in the hotel. And they were saying, you know, you can upgrade for free. And so they gave us a suite for free. And we did that four times in a row. Now, Crow's Club wasn't open yet. They hadn't opened the club level yet. And so they, we got so spoiled, they just kept giving us suites over and over and over again because nobody was there. And they're so nice. And then, so then when we finally had to pay and club level was open, we we're like, I guess we owe it to them to pay the extra money to go. And it was, it was worth it. Disney math. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We were just like, well, that was because we had the baby. That was the first time going with the baby. And we put him to sleep in the master bathroom in the pack and play 
And then we could use the extra bathroom because that's the great thing about a Disney suite versus a regular suite. We did stay at the Hilton Palace and they have two bathrooms in their suites. But you can, you know, put a pack and play in a bathroom and then use the other bathroom. But uh, so, yeah, we, we love it and we just got used to it. And again, like I was saying with pools, they've got this giant pool with a water slide. And so when we had elementary age kids before the baby, you can see the whole pool from your chair. But there's still plenty of stuff for the kids to do. And so we think that's a great pool for kids that you're not going to let wander wherever. So when we stayed at Beach Club last week, we could just let our older girls go wherever and didn't have to keep an eye on them. But when they were more like five and seven, we wanted them in sight, even though they could swim. So, yeah, we like Grand Estino a lot. Less All right. Five fifty before. Yeah, before you do that, five fifty per night in August for a standard Grandestino club room before tax and seven sixty seven per night for a deluxe suite. So yeah, for club level, that's that's not bad. That's not bad. That's cheaper than like Grand Floridian regular room sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, check it out. I mean, that's a good tip. Yeah, it's been on. I, you know, it's been on my list. I for, I, I forgot that it was on my list to try. What month that was club that? Level. <laughs> August. I'm I'm searching right here. August third to August eighth. You know, under the room discount. So, oh. sorry if I just uh, put you out. Room discounts don't apply night. to club levels, so that's still really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. In fact, Rack is. I'm sorry, we're nerding out a little bit here, and you might hear my click wheel scrolling. But Rack is six ten per night, and then five fifty with the discount. So, I mean, six ten is still not that bad. I mean, that's rack rate for, like you said, a standard at any of the deluxes. That's ten percent instead of could be thirty five. For sure. All right. Well, lots of great tips here. I'm glad I'm done with the baby stage, but if you're not, hopefully this was illuminating to you. We always close every episode out with uh, a Disney do or don't. Do you have one extra tip to leave folks with, Alex? Yeah. So do Harmony Barbershop. Get the first baby haircut. Don't try to do Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique because they won't let them in until they're under three. Over three. Right. Over three. Yeah. Yeah, Harmony Barbershop for the baby, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique for the three-year-old. I love, love, love Harmony Barbershop. We had first haircut there for my son, so highly recommend. He got two first haircuts because they don't ask. (laughs) Nice. So you get the ears twice then? Yeah. Very good, very good. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming and sharing your experience traveling with your family and with babies. One more time, can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, seconddadtotheright.com or at second dad to the right on Facebook or Instagram. And then I I don't know how they do handles on Pinterest, but second dad to the right. Awesome. Well, if you have any other questions, you can find Alex there about traveling with a baby again, second dad to the right at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions for us, you can email us Disney deciphered at gmail.com at WW deciphered on Twitter or find us on Instagram disney deciphered thanks again so much for coming on alex we really appreciate you sharing your experiences with us and other than that leslie thank you for taking the time to talk to me and i will see you leslie happy not to be in the baby stage anymore alex just a couple more years thanks jeff thanks Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.